I just write. I don't care. There's, I've got 20 things at all times. I just bounce, whatever. I, I, I just obsess. And my obsession is to get to the end. That's all it is. Uh, when I get to the end, then I go back through it and make sure it starts to make sense and things like that. So, uh, so I, I love the process of writing. And it didn't, you know, it's weird. Like, I, I always liked to write since I'm a kid, and it was my sort of escape. Welcome back to Nothing Shines Like Dirt, episode 50. We are officially over the hill. Thank you guys for listening. For the past two years, we are celebrating. Yeah, we are. I'm Elise Sievert. And I'm Leslie Shannon. Today, we are talking to the talented writer-director, Ditto Montel. We discuss working with icons, the Sundance Writers Lab, and and you you never never know where where the the path path will lead. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, like, 23, like all my friends in my neighborhood were like getting having kids, and I'm thinking like, and I, and like a bunch of friends had moved out here that were in bands, and they would tell me, and I, it almost sounded like a foreign. Like I was like, what's that like? And I came out, I was like, oh my god, everybody's young again. <laughs> so it was kind of fun in that way. I was like, wow, you get to you know have fun again. And then uh, and now the valley, I kind of like it because it's more quiet and yeah, kind of corny. But <laughs> no, how so? How is it corny? What do you mean? It's just weird. It's you know, but I love it because like in my twenties, this would not be working for me. Man. No way. <laughs> but now I kind of like the mellow sort of weirdness of it, and that we can take. You know, we have a little girl, so we can take her weird places, and just it's a weird place. You know, it's kind of like all these weird B actors from the 70s or 80s you run into here and you're kind of like, oh my God, you know. <laughs> like, I had this great at Starbucks over here where I just was. Um, I was there one day and I hear this guy with a New York accent and he's like saying, you know, I tell you I'm going to buy you a coffee. Doesn't mean, you know, you got to spend 12 fucking dollars. You know, it's bad enough that a coffee's four bucks. You don't have to get a pastry and a fucking a sandwich. <laughs> and I'm hearing this New York accent and I'm thinking, who is this, you know? And I look over and it's Andrew Dice Clay. And he's dead serious Talking to the, it was like I, it was like I walked into one of his skits, you know. I, yeah, I was, I was like, gonna say like a sitcom, like that sounds oh, it was like really, a, I yeah, was like, no yeah. way, and he's like going on and on about the cake and a sandwich. You know? <laughs> so that's kind of you know, and then you'll be at like the farmers market here, and you'll see like like the singer from Journey or something. And yeah. Like, oh, what? Like you kind of half recognize these people, and then you're not sure. I'm always so out of it because even living in New York, because mm-hmm. I'm from Nebraska, people are like, "Oh, do you see celebrities?" And I'm like, "I." Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just, uh, I don't know. I probably do, but I just, well, when you're, you're living sure, life, yeah. yeah. No, I recognize yeah. reality stars really <laughs> quick, you know? That's, I'm like, damn, from Big Brother, that, you know? That's <laughs> so funny. We we got tacos the other day, and Chris Rock was in line behind us. See, and somebody, go. yeah, and somebody was, and, and I'm really... I mean, I'm an actor. I'm nowhere near, like, you know, in the place where these people are. But um, I just am really weird. I think it's really weird to ask people to take pictures. I mean, if it's, like, someone who you have a genuine love and respect right, for right. and you're of like, course. look, I just really appreciate your work. That's one thing. But people just, like, randomly wanting to take pictures and selfies it with everyone. It must never end. It really must. I, I think about it all the time. Like, if you're recognizable, it used to be only particular fans, you know, would say, God, can I get an autograph, right? Mm-hmm. You know, now, I, I, I think people just take pictures. It must be like never ending. It, because I mean, they just want to put it on social media and like, yeah, look who I saw today. But I also imagine, you know? like, can you imagine, like, I can't imagine Mm-mm. that anyone recognized like Chris Rock, who's like, he's a star, but it's not like, yeah. you know, some mega, mega star, but he's a star. I don't, I don't think he could probably go 
20 minutes outdoors without someone asking for a photograph. Like, and he really. was so pleasant about it too. But I would, but for me, there's so much of a part of me that just says to myself, no, don't do that. <laughs> um, I, I had another time. But then you sneak one, right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't sneak no, one. Okay. I, I do that. I'll do that. Oh, shit. Like, I'll do this on the down low over here. I actually was thinking about that when I was watching the clapper of that <sighs> instant celebrity of like, even in the film, like oh, you captured that, that it's a, yeah, like overnight somebody is recognizable from. Well, it's not because every every month someone else is the flavor of the month, yeah, and the next day they're torn down to shreds, and I, I just don't know how I, I, you guys are in a crazy world. I, I don't uh, know because <laughs> I think, my God, you know, when I was twenty, if people had cameras, I'd be dead. I can't imagine what I would have said, you know? Anything, you know? And so capturing, so, everything's recorded now. Like yeah. it, it's... And it's forever. Yeah, yeah. And I just the, think yeah. you're going to grow up with that forever. So whatever dumb thing you said at 19 drunk on camera that somehow went viral, when you're 40, it'll still be part of you, you know? So... Right, yeah. and, it, and it, it's either this one thing of where you either have to like give zero fucks or you have to have this point where you feel like you're boxed off and you can never fully express yourself in public at all. And it's and I wonder how it's possible, in my opinion, to give zero fucks. You I, don't, know what I, mean? it, I don't think it is possible. Because I, I, you know, I remember like when I was first um, starting with this crazy, I don't know, should we do this? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, we're, yeah we're going, we're, we're going. going. <laughs> but no, but when we first, when I first started with this, I worked with Ray Liotta, and I love Ray Liotta. And I remember he's like, don't ever read reviews. Don't read any of that stuff. And I'd be like, why? And he goes, it's like taking a little sip of poison, and you wonder why your stomach hurts. <laughs> and he's like, and I didn't believe him because I used to be, come on. Like, of course you Google yourself. You know, that sounds, sounds like such a famous thing to say. Like, I don't know what people are saying about me. <laughs> but I get it. It's, it's just so painful. And things like that where it's like, and you just kind of like want to reach out and say, hey, motherfucker. You know, yeah. like, but then you're like. I can't say that to 20,000 people, yeah. you know? Well, and things stick with you. Like, things teachers or parents said to you when you were younger. Like, I, I mean, one critic, it, they could be totally wacko and they say something and it just hits you in that that oh, wound, you, you know? You'll read 20 great things and one bad thing will be the thing you can't forget. And that's so true. And it's just, I think it's so hard. And I think with actors, my God, I don't know. Rejection is such a crazy thing. And I, you know, it's weird because I think if, if actors knew what was happening behind the scenes, maybe they'd all quit <laughs> or not. You know, I don't know, because it's so nutty to me where it's like it's not always like when you're going to work on something. I've got a lot of friends that I think are some of the best actors I know and actresses, you know, actors in general. <clears throat> but I, I don't even sometimes you can't put them in a film for reasons, financing and favors. And I mean, this, the, the amount of politics is almost nuts. So. I don't know. I almost feel like there's, I would rather know that it would make me feel better. Maybe that's just me. But I think that's part of the reason that I love, like we um, love making our own work is because it helps you to understand the process fully as opposed yeah. to just like, if you're just used to being an actor, then you don't see all that behind the scenes of like, oh, like we couldn't use you because you were available on this day when we had the location, but it fell through. And so that like, it can be like things like logistics. It's, it's less personal. Yeah. It, it, you realize that there's, yeah, logistics, political, there's so financing, many so many, there's you know. so many things. Yeah. I mean, when I was doing my first movie, it was funny because this girl from my neighborhood in Astoria, who, funny enough, we went to the same grade school many years apart. And she came in, I had an open call 
uh, I put flyers up all over the city. Like, I didn't care, man. I literally put, like, look, Robert Downey is doing a movie looking for a young version of him and any people under 18, 19, 20, whatever, come down. And a th- it was like American Idol, man. We had a thousand people come to some. I rented a music rehearsal studio on, like, 8th Avenue, and I brought a bunch of friends with cameras. It was freaking, it was so fun. It was crazy. A million kids. And this one girl walks in that was from my neighborhood that was just great. I mean, she blew me away. And, uh, and I just loved her. I said, oh, my God, this, this, is, this is her. You know, this is the deal. And uh, so, so the producers all loved her, too. And it, everything worked out. I mean, you know, um, then, uh, God, this is such a crazy story. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the, what, what it came down to at the end is there was one reason she couldn't be in the film because of one person was like, no, and shut it down. And this is after, like, literally she would cry. She was so happy. And, like, Sting, the singer who was a producer on the film, called her house to speak to her father and tell her father, your daughter got the gig. And, like, it was, like, her the moment of her life, right? Yeah. And she was 16 years old, right? Oh so. And I, I love her name is Angelique. I love yeah. her. And, and like, she would call me every day. Like, she's a motor mouth. You know, she'd be like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. My father thought I would never be anything. And now I'm breaking. You know? So we're rehearsing already. She's in the movie. Done deal. And then at the last minute, there was this one reason that she couldn't be in it. And there was no stopping it. And I was like, oh, my God. And Trudy, who was a producer, told me. And she's like, well, I'll call her. I said, no. I said, I have to call her. And I said, oh, my God. And it was the worst phone call ever. And I oh, called yeah. her up. And she was so, like, this girl, she's no joke. She was so excited. And I call her, I go, Angelique, okay, listen, I got something I got to tell you. It's not like, it's, it's going to be hard, but you know, hey man, you know, like I've dealt with, you know, the old thing, I've dealt with this a million times. She goes, what? I said, well, I, you can't be in the film, right? And she, she was to play the young Rosario Dawson and a huge role. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then it ended up being Melanie Diaz, who I love and it all worked out great. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and she's like, and she was so good about it. She was just like well, can I be someone else? But then she looked so much like Rosario that she couldn't because then you would confuse the character. Mm. So it was like, you went from like having a really great role to none, you know? None. And then she was like, can I come to the set when you film? And I was like, yeah. And she came every day. And like since Aww. then she's been in, um, God, a movie that was nominated for Academy Award. Um, and she's working all the time. And I'm like, I tell her all the time, I'm like, man, you're exactly the story that I love to tell. Because like, you, you, I mean, I'm, I can imagine it crushed her, but yeah. she bounced right back. And like, it was like, can I be someone else? Nope. Can I come to the set? And it was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you really want to come? And she didn't show up and pout. She just came. And a few times she was like, I would have done that better. <laughs> but that, that's, you know, I loved her for it. And yes. I still do. And I'm, I, I root for her all the time. God, she was in a really great movie. I can't remember the name of the movie. We can, we'll look it up. We can look it up. And, yeah. Angelique Zambrano is okay. her name. That resilient. <laughs> I mean, that's something that I feel like mentors have told me like it's resilience and perseverance and you know you got to just keep putting yourself out there you know if you if it's your calling and you're really you know this is what your life is supposed to be you know yeah and and enjoying it you know that's the thing and it sounds so corny man let me tell you man (laughs) I hated hearing someone my age say that to me when I was your age like I freaking hated it like I would get violently angry at that line And and then I look back now at all the things I'd gone through in different variations of whatever, and it's always been the trip. And it's the corniest line, but it was like, it wasn't like a nice limo. It was like hopping the train to something ridiculous, you know, <laughs> that I remember the best. So whatever. Corny <laughs> advice, but yeah. It's you, true. You'll figure it I out mean, one day. I mean, you've worked with so many... T- 
talented, established actors too. Like, is there something, I don't know, do you have a process of a director of, of collaborating with actors or something that stands out or, or things that like you find organic or unique in people's work? Is there any, like as a director, searching people out for, for roles? I, you know, I, I, I like the sort of like the Woody Allen version of casting, which is like, there's a little piece of, I feel like whenever you watch a film of his, there's a little piece of whoever he cast in that role, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, You know, there are directors I love and writers, David Mamet, who it's just the work. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you say that line exactly as it's written because it's really well written. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I, I... I didn't have that talent, and I didn't have the talent of putting marks down, so I like my sets to be a little more loose, and I like to get to meet the actors. You know, like, the first thing I do is Google interviews with them if I could find interviews, because I know they can all act. Um, I just want to see who they are, you know, and, like, and then I like to write, so for me, it's like I get together with them and just take a walk down the street or whatever, and then go home and try and figure a way to turn that characters with a little bit of them into it um just for fun because it, it, it's easier for me maybe it's a cop-out but I love to write I come from that world so mm-hmm. so that's kind of where I go with the it, fact know. that you um have often written novels and then turn them into screenplays that's such an interesting I mean people adapt novels all the time but like when the fact that you've done it like repeatedly with your own work is such an interesting take to me on creating screenplays. Like what was there a reason that you took that route to begin with and then kind of have continued with it? You know, it, 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 nothing for me has been conscious. I wish it were. You know, I wrote a book, but I didn't plan to write a book. I was just trying to do anything. I had nothing to do in New York, nowhere to go. It was just a very rough time. And my friend gave me a freaking notebook that you write in pen in. And I just started writing because I always wrote my whole life, whatever it was, some dumb thing on a napkin that you throw out in the morning uh, or just something that stuck. But because it was a notebook, I couldn't throw it away. So it kept getting longer. And it was when it was long enough... I looked at a, uh, I looked at a, a book, and I'm not a big reader. And I just saw like, what's a really small book? And it was like 210 pages. And I remember thinking like, and I looked at me, and I was up to 20. I said, okay, I'm a tenth of the way there. If I can get to 200, I have a book. So I got to that, and this guy put out a really small book. And then a script was a crazy process. Um, man, I was working in a dub room out here. I didn't come out to California to work in movies at all. Like, I, my friend had a music studio that I knew from New York. And he said, hey, man, you can live at our studio and I'll give you a job. I needed both those things. So, uh, <laughs> so I took him up on his offer and uh, I worked there. And luckily, um, he was making a record with Robert Downey Jr. at the time, which is really, and, and it's not Iron Man Robert Downey Jr. It's the other guy <laughs> who was just great. And I love him still, but, you know, that was a different Robert. And he'd come in and out all the time. And I had known Robert over the years, just sort of roaming around New York and stuff and just banging into each other. And um. And then Jonathan Elias is the guy who owned the studio. And I mean, it's such a long, crazy story, but he was like, hey, man, you know, like, like, like we should make a movie out of your book. And a guy I worked in the dub room with, uh, now he's the editor I work with, but he, we would just make dubs. <laughs> I mean, literally. And we had iMovie that was free. So we started cutting weird things and we would show them to Robert when he'd come in and he'd be like, whoa, that's cool. We, sh- we should do a movie. We'd all talk about it. And then he brought down... Um, because Robert Downey can do things like that. He brought down Sting and Trudy Styler one day. <laughs> and it was really weird and blew my mind. And then we, we went and sat down and they said, Trudy read the book and said, I like the book. And we have the guy who wrote um, 
Sexy Beast said he'll write it on spec, which I didn't know what spec meant. I knew nothing, you know. And uh, I said, oh, and I wanted to write it, but I didn't know how to ask. I was so, I couldn't believe it, you know. And I was, my friend Ray, we went to kindergarten together. We talk every day. He's just on the phone <laughs> with him now. He's like, you, you should just shut up and be glad they want to do anything, you know. Like, he's always like that. And I'm like, but I want to write it. You know, I, I don't know how to ask. He's like, yeah, because you shouldn't ask. And then, um, so, so then Trudy said, well, they're busy, the writer, it was two writers who did Sexy Beast, they're busy right now for two months or eight weeks, but they're going to start then. So I said, okay, I got eight weeks. So I literally went and bought a script, I mean, at a store here, you know, a hard copy of a movie called United States of Leland, because I knew that Trudy loved that movie. So I, I literally put that book down. And I copied exactly. The, I didn't know INT. I thought INT meant introducing. I really did. I thought EXT meant exiting, you know. And I was like, why do they keep introducing this street? They already did. But hey, I'll do it. So I copied exactly on Word how it looked. like. And But I just put my streets in, you know, uh -huh. what I wanted to say. And my characters, I was like, oh, they put this guy's name here, you know. I'll put this guy's name here. And then, oh, he talks. And I literally, that's how I, I literally put them up like this. And I just started writing mine. And. I wrote this ridiculous 160-page script. <laughs> I mean, I, I, nothing like the movie. Nothing. Guy Turkinizing Saints. I mean, nothing. You couldn't even recognize it. And um, and then I was like, oh, and I got to the end, which um, I, I, I was crazy. I mean, nuts. So I thought, <laughs> I thought, okay, now how do I show this to them? You know, I was so embarrassed, you know, and afraid that they would just say no, and then I'm dead, you know. Um, so I put this guy, this guy that they knew, I knew, I knew a writer who worked on um, The Sopranos. Uh, and so I put his name on it. <laughs> and I said, hey, Trudy, I got this guy to, to write this. And she goes, he wrote it already? And I said, yeah. She goes, oh, that's incredible. I'll read it. So I got it to her and she read it and she calls me. And I can't believe that she didn't immediately know it was me because it's literally garble, you know, like I, didn't, <laughs> it, I can only imagine. I wish I had a copy of it because I can only imagine how completely unorganized it was. <laughs> But um, but she read it and she says, you know, it's kind of all over the place. But I like I like I like the voice of it. It feels really interesting. And I said, I wrote it. And she says, yeah, you devil, you know. <laughs> and then uh, and then she put she had a write a guy that worked with her name Alex Francis, who was sort of her script doctor, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. And and he worked with me through the rest of you know. And it was just a complete learning experience. And somehow that crazy long script. There still is, I still have never met the woman, I can't, I, and I should, God, I should have her name tattooed for doing it for me, but some, somehow the script circulated around town out here. I don't know how. I, I, somebody passed it to someone, and uh, I got a call one day from Sundance Labs, which is a great place for actors or writers or directors or wherever, and uh, they said, hey, we read your script, and I put... The, the character in it was Ditto, right, which is my name, and but Orlando was my real name. I put my real name as the writer because I was too embarrassed that it was me, you know? Like, I didn't know that you should change your name, you know? I don't know. I mean, it's nuts, you know? So um, they called looking under my real name because I had my phone number on it. My, actually, I had my job's phone number on it, the Dubberman. <laughs> they called, and Michelle Satter, who runs the labs, was like, hey, we really like your script. And I was like, and I didn't know what the labs, she was, we're from Sundance. And I'm like, oh yeah, a festival. And she's like, no, we have a thing called the labs. And I didn't know what it was. And I'm like, well, how much is it? And she's like, it's free. And I'm like, uh, I thought it was like learning annex, you know, I thought they were scamming me, you know? And I was like, well. That's the New Yorker mindset. <laughs> oh, I'm like, you know, when, when are they going to hit me up for a thousand dollars that I don't have, you know? And then, um, 
She said, no, it's free. And I said, well, where are you? And she's like, you know, in Utah. And I'm like, how do I get there? And she's like, well, we fly you in. I'm thinking, that's a kind of cult, you know, <laughs> what they, like, with Scientology calling me here, you know. <laughs> uh, and uh, it turns out that it was, a, it was a, you know, and then that, that is a great place that I couldn't talk enough about for writers or directors that everybody should just find a way there when they do it because it's Wonkaville for, you know, for... <laughs> Movies, yeah. That's, That's incredible. Awesome. That's so crazy that it, it was not an intentional thing for you to, to do that the first time and just the process of, because sometimes the best things in life are happy little accidents like that. Yeah. You know, to me, it was just, it's weird because I, I, it's, I love it, but I didn't plan it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and even the idea of making movies, like I said, is the guy that I worked in the room with, we just were bored, you know, like everybody, everybody in the dub room, wherever you are, you're bored right now, you know, <laughs> when you're not making tapes and you're bored when you're making them, you know, but we were bored and we downloaded iMovie and he's just a, got a gift of editing. It was a real blessing. So together we started making weird little shorts and then it, I remember it, similar to the book, I remember thinking like we made like a two minute short just for fun that was totally nuts. My friend would call from prison all the time collect and you know the receptionist would accept it because she was a friend and um i started recording him you know with a suction cup from radio shack which is like totally not, <laughs> not a nice thing to do but onto their dat player and uh and then we would take his voice and we'd put it onto iMovie and we'd mix it with music and then any visual we could find or we had some crappy little camera that we would literally and we would just start messing with things. And then we made a one-minute weird short and a five-minute short. And then I remember thinking, like, how long are movies? And we'd look, and it'd be like, 100 minutes. I'd be like, okay, five. Okay, we're a 20th there. Maybe we can do the whole... <laughs> I like you're, like, piecing it out. Like, <laughs> yeah. okay, yeah. Right, you know? It works for it's me, you know? Nice. Uh, so it was no. like, how, how, how do you find your way there, you know? That's so. such an optimistic way to look at it, too. And, that I mean, it goes to show, too like we were saying earlier about how you have to you you have to love this right and remember that you love it and that's why you love doing it but clearly you just enjoyed creating cuz so many people would look at oh i have you know 90 more minutes like, right oh yeah what? it is a lot to fill like, yeah. how do i do that and become overwhelmed mm -hmm. but when you look at it that way of like oh i only have to do this many more shorts is essentially the equivalent to it is a much a much better way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's one way to look at it, yeah. For sure. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's it's odd, you know, I think because I was lucky because it was right on the cusp of, of, you know, like video and things like that where now it's really accessible. Like mm -hmm. I don't, you know, it's weird, you know, like I, I you know, I, I think quite opposite to the way some people think where it's like, you know, in the 70s it was probably so great these great directors, I'm like, yeah, for, for t 10 directors, it was great. <laughs> you know? yeah. I don't know about everybody else, you know, and mm -hmm. actors, it was excellent for the 40 that were working or 20, you know, now thousands and thousands, everyone gets to create your own little movie and you have a platform for it, even if it's terrible. Mm -hmm. And you could really, really make a movie for free. Like you actually can, mm -hmm. you know, you really like, you know, free used to mean like a couple of million at one point, probably then it meant a couple of thousand, then it meant a couple of hundred. Now it's actually possible that you can do it for free i mean editing you know i probably need to buy pizza and stuff for people <laughs> so right? maybe not fully for free not but fully really for free but we're yes. down to the yeah. really cheap free we're, yeah. yeah we're down to cheap free you know yeah. so 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 i, I don't really I, I think it's a real good opportunity i don't know you know so and and it's, and it is a chance to work because i don't know you know for those like i said maybe 20 directors of the 70s life was great but for the thousand that didn't think that it was an opportunity for them they just didn't think about it. Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, 
my father was a typewriter mechanic. It would have never crossed my it never crossed my mind to be in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had a very odd situation happen. But now I think it's probably on the minds of well, other twelve year olds. I keep you know? thinking about like how people try to plan everything out. You know, like after high school, go to college, mm. go to grad school. You know, like try to plan it out, and it it's so inspiring to hear like get together with friends and play and create and kind of enjoy the journey of it and see what happens and not always knowing exactly where you're going to end up. And Like I said, it's the corniest really, thing to say or yeah. hear, but it's the truth because... I like it. Because it's just to, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, I, I there's a, such a painful part, I think, to the creative world, you know, and like, it's kind of funny. I fight with my friends all the time, you know, I mean, like, God knows Facebook, you know, the people from my neighborhood, I want to kill half of them with their freaking Trump insanity. But but the weird thing is that like, you know, like like there's this sort of like, you know, the, the Hollywood elite. I'm like, the Hollywood elite? I'm so tired of hearing that freaking phrase. I said, you know, there's Spielberg and then there's Tom Cruise, but that's not the normal world of the actor or director or anyone. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, the things about movies are... There's electricians, there's truck drivers, there's there's every single job that yeah. you can think of is working on a set. And then there's actors that God knows how many hours they're putting in. If you broke it down, I would bet minimum wage would be overshooting it. Mm-hmm. And the same goes for directors and DPs and everybody out there working 16, 14-hour days on things that may not ever be seen, things like that. It's so crazy. I said, it would be like, I try to put it into terms that my friends who keep attacking well and i said you know it would be like if you walked into starbucks and you screamed at the barista and you're like this fucking company made a billion dollars last year he's like hey man i'm just a barista <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> like, a really good analogy of yeah, it I, yeah like, the, like, you know I, I get it that you get to see our bosses all the time because they're famous mm-hmm. or the not even our bosses but we don't even get to meet these people you know mm-hmm. i get to see dice clay at you know starbucks that's about <laughs> as good as he gets yeah. i love that but, i uh, want to ask you too your films have such like uh Leslie came in and she's like so many feels like like yeah. they're so human and they take you on such an emotional wonderful journey and you also connect to the characters like on such a human level. Do you have advice for writers of finding that um finding that humanity and not cuz I think a as a writer myself like a thing that happens is you get into cliches of things you've seen or ideas of people you who you think you know you think you know what a cop is but right, it's right. kind of like this like tv version of of a cop and yeah. um even i just watched clapper last night i've wa- watched a lot of your films but i just watched that one last night and it's sticking with me and um like the h- humanity of the clappers and it made me think of like extras on set and the these people that you like brought their life to the front of the <laughs> the film, and I just it was it was amazing. And I don't know. So if you have advice for writers of finding that humanity or discovering it, uh, I think it's just for me. You know, like I I like to put myself in. You know, I'm I'm selfish about movies or writing. You know, like whatever this like Boulevard was written initially by a guy and his his first script. 60s or maybe 70 I can't remember um about he was married for 40 years and he was coming out he was gay right and uh I remember like it was odd because it's like okay now I have to like you know talk to him about his life and try and correct his you know like his because like like I'll give you one thing that, that like like well for me that movie was my mother right 
I personalized it. I remember reading it, and I thought, my mother was this really tough, mean, <laughs> not mean, but just cold, you know? She had a very tough childhood. So she was very cold, you know, like real tough Brooklyn lady, you know? And uh, and she, my father was the exact opposite from Nicaragua, the fun nonstop, you know? <laughs> and, and I'm like, she should not have been with my father all those years. Like, she just should have left, but she didn't, right? And they stayed. So I personalized that character, their relationship in the movie, Robin Williams and, and Kathy, um, were, was, was my mother and my father, right? Very different. My, my mother didn't come out, <laughs> you know. She, maybe she was gay. I don't think so, but who knows, right? Uh, but um, so, so I completely personalized it. And then, and then I started just trying to think about the story. And it was, it was odd because, you know, talking with the writer, which was his life. And I remember him telling me, you know, he was married 40 years. He loved his loved his wife. And I thought that that's what interested me so much about it because it wasn't the story of coming out. It was the story to me of letting, letting go, right? Because I thought, oh my God. And the ending initially that he wrote was this sort of happy ending where uh, Robin Williams' character goes to a, he leaves his wife, goes to a gay bar, and it's like this celebration, right? And I remember thinking like, that bugged me so much. And it was so odd talking to the writer and saying like, this is his life, and I'm telling him he can't come out and go to a gay bar. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm like shoving time. him right back in the closet, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but I was like, I said, you know, Doug, his name, I said, you know, I have a problem with it because I think if my opinion of it is if you were married at 20 and you found out you were gay and at 30 you left your wife, I think your character might go to a gay bar and have a hell of a time. But I think if you loved this woman for 40 years and now you left her, Oh, I, I don't know if that. I feel like that that scene would symbolize finally got away from that monster, you know. Yeah. But the movie was all about a love that was so so so. It was funny because he had initially written it more in the frame of mind of of a because he's still a young man in his mind, you know. Yeah. Uh, f what? So I said, you know, I'm going to be your therapist for a second here, and I think that that's the character that you wish did it at 30, you know. And so it starts to become very internal, and so for me, it was like humanizing. It to the level of like, and I'm being selfish. I'm just saying, well, my mother wouldn't do that. And he's like, well, it's not about your mother. <laughs> but for me, it was, you know, mm -hmm. so, so I just think, you know, I always think like, like certain things don't really appeal to me, but I think whoever wrote King Kong had a real love affair with King Kong. Like he, he either was King Kong when he wrote it or he was Fay Ray, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I just like to personalize things. That's for me. You know, I do like movies that have none of that too. Actually, I would have a hard time seeing half my movies. You'd have to drag me kicking and screaming. <laughs> I like to see brain death, you know, like total goofiness, you know? You, yeah, it's but, always yeah. nice to pepper that in between for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm all for it. I mean, you know. <clears throat> well, Boulevard, I mean, that that was another movie too. It just, you totally, so much empathy for the characters and you felt their pain and their love and and that relationship too. So vulnerable. In that, yeah. 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 I, I, I loved making that movie more yeah. than any movie I've ever worked on. Oh. And I loved Robert Williams so much. Oh, my God. And I'll tell you a crazy story about that movie. When he, I mean, this is this. Is, hopefully, you have editing equipment here because this will go on. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but but this was this was nuts, right? So we're in Nashville. That's where we filmed it because it was originally called Santa Monica Boulevard, which I was so psyched for because I'm like, oh my god, you know, like like there was going to be like go by you know the trans scene and go by every scene mm -hmm. like you know because like, you can cruise right down the boulevard. Mm -hmm. At least the way it used to be, a little bit like that. It used to go like male prostitutes, and then it would be like you know, trans and it was like, and then you go to the nicer area and, you know, like it was like, so I was like, gosh, I, I saw the visual as so great. Then suddenly like, we're going to make it in Nashville. I'm like, Nashville, what? So 
that's why it's called Boulevard. And we changed it to more of a suburban setting, you know, going back and forth to a... Anyway, so we're looking for a house to film in, right? We find the perfect house. We're like, oh my God, which is the house we filmed in. It's got great places to move the camera and the script is written. So we go upstairs and, um, and the, the woman who owned the house her and her husband, she looks exactly like Kathy Baker, which is odd because Kathy, no, not many people know Kathy Baker. They know Kathy Bates, but they think yeah. that's who they're talking about. Yeah. She's like, oh no, Kathy Baker. She was in, you know, and she names the movies. I'm like, oh wow. And she did look like her, right? Which is a little odd, whatever, right? And then she, I notice she's like, oh, you know, I don't know if it matters, but you know, my husband has a separate bedroom. We sleep in separate, and that's the script, right? And I'm thinking, oh, this is incredible. We don't have a lot of money for this movie. So we have separate bedrooms and her bedroom is decorated exactly like the way you would want it. it it's a well-read, even one book that Doug had in the script is in her thing. I'm like, I'm showing like, oh my God, the book is here. And then his bedroom is like a typically somewhat bare bedroom as written. It was the perfect scenario, right? So then she says, what's the movie about? And then you always get nervous because I never know, you know, like, well, am I going to bum someone out? Yeah. And they'll be like, not in our house, you know? Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, oh, it's just about a marriage. You know? So then she's like, okay, so we're in there. So we got the place. And two days later, she comes to me and she's crying. And she's like, I read the script. And I say, yeah, she goes, you know, my husband, he came out last year. But we decided to stay together. And that's why we have separate red rooms. And I said, oh, my God. And she goes... She goes, well, we, I, we just have one request. Can we be here when they have the scene where they come out to each other? So I said, okay, that's pretty trippy. So then I, I told Robin and, and Kathy. And so when they're doing that big scene where they're literally going at it and yelling, yeah. I mean, we're right here in the living room and, and they're, I was heavy, you know, to be there. And I turn around and they're, they have headphones on watching on the monitors crying. And I'm thinking, oh my God. And Robin Williams comes over to me and goes, dude, this is getting too freaky for even me. <laughs> <laughs> that's some uh, wow yeah. yeah it's trippy right that but, like makes me want to cry talking wasn't that it was just nuts and the it. funny the, but of course Robin Williams will always have a funny ending to it so one day we're walking out of the house and you know their their clothes are hanging around and he, the fa- the husband had leather chaps you know hanging and he, Robin Williams points to him, he goes you think this would have been a giveaway <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, it was oh, pretty. Oh, that's like magic. That was nuts. That's it's clandestine. It was really yeah, weird. And they were even coming to the actors and saying, like, the woman who lives there, who I love, she kept going to Kathy and being like, you know, I wouldn't do this. And Kathy would come to me going, this isn't their life. This is not their movie. And I'd be like, you're right. It, it was just getting so wound up. Well, and they were they were taking it personal. And like, and, but, like, even the spirit of that story, like, already lived in the there. house. Uh, I mean, literally identical. Like, and, oh, and the husband looks exactly like Robin Williams. Oh, my uh, gosh. I swear to God. So much. I almost feel I'm like gonna, I'm going to find a picture. Real. Okay. <laughs> I, I actually have a picture in it here. It feels... The New, Yor- the, the New Yorker in me says no. I'm joking. <laughs> I, I don't blame <laughs> like, you, but uh-uh. I'm going to find the no. picture because they took a picture of the four of them together and it's just... That's trippy. <laughs> I'll find it. And it yeah. Well, and I even feel like some, I mean, the very small stuff I've made, I always say like if a project is supposed to be made, it gets made. Like you you come up against obstacles, but there are just some stories. It doesn't matter how low the budget is or I don't know where we're going to find this after or whatever. And like that that serendipity of things coming together and being able to put it out in the world. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah, pretty cool. It's, well, it's funny. Like, well, Chaz, who you know, you all yeah. know from from where you where you MFI, thing. yeah, yeah, MFI, and you know, like he was he was not going to be the father in my first movie. It was going to be Harvey Keitel, you know, and uh, at the last minute something didn't work out, and I didn't really know Chaz, you know. I mean, I knew Bronx Tale, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, for me, like I, 
I never made a movie. I, I had no idea how this stuff works, you know? Mm -hmm. I, and I know people from the movies they're in. So I think, and I remember, I was thinking, oh, Chaz, he's like a gang. I said, you know, the, the father isn't really a gangster. And <laughs> when I met Chaz, he's like, I'm not a gangster either. <laughs> but it was like, it was just, it was, it's one of those weird things, you know, where it's like trying to, to see who's real and, you know. Well, I think people do that too when they're like, feel like they know actors because they because of t like a tv show that they've religiously watched or, or they have like or, a really strong feeling toward a particular actor yeah. as their normal selves like they hate them oh totally yeah. or or they love them and the person is completely different from that character yeah. um but i love they, it when you see that too and you're like oh i didn't know that person could be so evil Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I know, like, what, whatever, I can't, I can't remember what his name is, whatever the, the uh, kid's name on uh, Game of Thrones who played Joffrey was like that. He's oh. apparently like the nicest guy. <laughs> and, it's hard to and imagine. He just that. played yeah. such a douche. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. But yeah, that that's amazing. Oh my gosh. Great. Hard to imagine. I, I'm still like reeling about this story. It's yeah. just I'm gonna show really, I'm gonna find I'm gonna, a picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah. have to confirm really? afterwards I'll in the next podcast yeah. whether or not we can see a picture. I'll post that it up is... for Facebook too. <laughs> okay. Because, because she's constantly good. it's actually the woman's Facebook page okay. photo of the four of them together. And the weird thing is Robin showed up with a beard and he had a beard and in the picture, Robin shaved his beard, but my God, if he had the beard in it, it would it be just, really weird. Oh my God! <laughs> it couldn't get. It could not get weirder. Yeah. What, are you world. working on anything right now that? You yeah, can I mean, share there, there's there's a movie. There's a couple of things. You know, there's one that uh, a friend of mine wrote. Uh, he's a playwright. His name is John Polano, and he's just great. He wrote a bunch of really interesting plays, but he wrote this script that is just. It's like, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? But everyone's Virginia Woolf in it. It's so <laughs> wow. good. Yeah. So, uh, so we're just talking about that and I'm a couple of things and writing, you know. So That's we'll great. see, you know. That's great. Is there one, do you, like the marriage of being a writer, director, is there one that you gravitate more towards or do, or do you? Cause you I don't know. I, I like to write. I mean, every mm -hmm. day I write. Every, mm -hmm. You know, I, when I got to go through the labs, you know. Which I can't suggest more. For, I really, I, I, yeah. I think it's just an incredible experience. Like for me, I had never been to any school. Or ne I had no, like I said, INT meant introducing before I went there, right? So I really didn't know. But I can't imagine anything, a better experience ever. And it, what you guys, I didn't follow what MFI went through. I was there for a short time. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it reminded me of it in a yeah. way. Like you all go to this weird place and... Um, well, anyway, what I'm getting at with the writing thing was initially I went to the writing one. And then while I was there, they asked me to go to the directing one. So it was like a oh, home run, you know. But the writing one, I was with, you know, like they had, they, they assign advisors to you, similar to what y'all did. Mm -hmm. And uh, mine was, was uh, Frank Pearson who wrote Dog Day Afternoon. And cool. so I was like, I'm going to listen to anything you say. Like that's my favorite <laughs> movie, you know. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Walter Mosley, who's just a great writer and – and, you know, each of them tell you how they write. And I remember thinking, like, like you know, like, I, it was all so – I couldn't believe people did writing for a living. Like, mm -hmm. I, I couldn't believe it. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, oh, my God, you know? Who knew how insane it was? But um, I, I remember – and I would listen to each of them. As each person would talk, I would think, oh, that's how you do it. And then everyone had a different thing, you know, like, you know – one guy I like, uh, Tony in New York, um, not Turduck, is another writer. He uh, He's like, hey, the way I write is I like to take long walks and think, and then I go home and jot some things down, and when I feel it, I write. And then Frank Pearson, he's who I gravitated towards. Um, 
he's just an old mean guy. <laughs> I saw my mother in him. But, but he's like, listen, if you're a writer, you write every day. I wake up, I have my breakfast, and I write from nine to noon. Then I have lunch with my wife, and then I write from one to five, and then I'm done. But every single day, and I don't care if it's crap, I put it on paper. If I'm going to call myself a writer, I'm going to write. And I remember thinking, I liked his way of thinking because I, I just write. I don't care. There's, I've got 20 things at all times. I just bounce, whatever. I, I, I just obsess. And my obsession is to get to the end. That's all it is. Uh, when I get to the end, then I go back through it and make sure it starts to make sense and things like that. So, uh, so I, I love the process of writing. And it didn't, you know, it's weird. Like, I, I always like to write since I'm a kid. And it was my sort of escape, you know. Um, so it really isn't about that you have to be, you know, it's kind of a weird thing, you know, like, uh, like my father wanted me to be a token booth clerk, right? <laughs> really bad. I took every damn test, man. And luckily I would fail them on purpose sometimes, you know, and, uh, but you know, I, I get where he was coming from. He knew how crazy the world can be and how hard it was out there. And I, I, so I'm not one of these people that is big about, um, follow your dreams. I'm not kind of down with that entirely. Mm -hmm. I think it's nice to have dreams. And I, I, I think life can be, I think I would have written if I was a garbage man, because I think life would be good. And I always talk to my friends. I've got a friends, a couple of friends that work in sanitation. I'm like, hey, you find weird shit. You know, you <laughs> hang out with your friends, you know, and then you go home, you know, and you don't think about it garbage all night, you know, mm -hmm. you go home and then maybe you can find the, I just think as a person that likes to write, I would have written all day long, whatever my job was. So mm -hmm. if I had to work from nine to six, I'd write from seven to 11 or, so, you know, whatever mm -hmm. I could, because it made me happy, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the interesting thing now I think about the options for writers and directors and actors and all this stuff is that it isn't do or die. You know, if it mm -hmm. is do or die, yeah, it's nice to read about that where it's like, I would jump off a cliff if it didn't happen. It's like, damn, <laughs> man, if that were true for everybody, there'd be a lot of dead people at the bottom <laughs> of that. You know? yeah. I just think it's better to, to, you know, this is like corny Buddha talk, you know, but um, I just, I just think it's better to just sort of, I, 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 writing for me has been a, a sort of saving grace. So I, I would do it no matter what. So directing is sort of the candy that comes with it, you know? That's cool. But, uh, but even when you're directing, I think you're writing because God knows every actor's got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're full of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? They're, they're always worth hearing. You yeah. Know? Do you have, like, do you pick a project, like what's inspiring you that day for like when you sit down to write or do you have outlines for projects? Like what's your kind of process? I don't do you outlines. Just, you just free write and then, but it, yeah. But once again, Frank Pearson was the only, look, these things work very different for yeah, everybody. Yeah, Most absolutely. writers I know do full outlines and I've done that. Mm -hmm. And actually it's really nice when you have it because then you have a map. Mm -hmm. So there's something to that. But I remember Frank saying, uh, if I knew the ending, I wouldn't do it because it would be boring, you know? <laughs> and there's a part of me that does like finding it as I'm writing. But uh, I don't know. Either works works yeah. well. But uh, yeah. I, I, I like – but I never – I usually – I have a lot of things, but I'll always make sure I get to the end before I move to something else because mm. it's too scattered for me. And, like, it's mm -hmm. one of those things where sometimes when I hear from someone and they say, I've got 10 scripts, I say, well, then you, you, you probably don't love any of them. Like, you know, I'd, I'd rather someone say, I have one, one. I have to yeah. make, you know, yeah. as a writer. This yeah. is, you know, um, but I, I, yeah, I, I just like to write. Yeah. I love that. That is really cool. Yeah. I like that, um, the idea of finding the ending as you go. Because I think that's something that um, as an avid movie watcher, um, I 
I often predict things. And, and if you don't even know while you're writing it, then it's much less likely that that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, what, I think Martin Scorsese said one day, like when he made, um, I can't even remember what movie when he finally got nominated for an Academy Award. He's like, oh, you have to tell a story. <laughs> you know, because I love his old films too, because I, they're not really, you know, like After Hours, uh, these movies, they're so great. They're just meditations on life. You know, like Boulevard to me was a meditation on a little family. And like, there was a part of me, I remember like when I sat down to make that movie that I said, hey, I'm just going to bring this up in a meeting right now. We could have Robin Williams kill this guy's pimp and go back to the movie. Like, th that's the part that would make me go see it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, he kills yeah. somebody, you know? Yeah. Um, and nobody wanted to do that, which was very rare. It was like if that was not a studio film, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, I was like, and then I, I sort of said, okay, I'll embrace that part. They, they really want to just meditate on this family, you know, and like the pain that they're going through. Um, so, so, yeah, so you never know where you're going to go with it, yeah. No, that's awesome. You could always put a murder in. There's always room <laughs> murder, for killing. Always. <laughs> Violence. Mur <laughs> like, mur murder or sex, right? Isn't that what There's they say? There's always a spot for it. Yeah. Yeah, or a car chase. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but the car chase gets more expensive. If, it you're, does, if you're making true. a small indie, that's car true. chase is not the way to go. Right. Fake, fake uh, blood you true. can get on Amazon pretty yeah. cheap. Oh, you can, <laughs> that's true. You were yeah. it. I've made it. Just go out late at night. Corn syrup, some dye. You can do that. done that. Well, thank you so much for taking some time yeah. out just to oh, sure. talk to us and inspire us as young filmmakers That's yeah great, man. and Have fun. we are yeah okay. we are we, we wish yeah. we could do our i'm not going to speak for both of us there are days where i'm like why can't i love doing something else more <laughs> right right but i don't so i'm here you don't okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh you so might who it's knows with, it's with me always i like that adventure of just like seeing seeing where life takes you and it's hard but it's you know but it's so rewarding at the same time mm -hmm. it is the it's, it's a sick drug mm -hmm. right because it's kind of like an addiction the day that sure. you hate it and then it's almost like clockwork it'll be like that day some good news comes and you're like i'm back in again you're like, <laughs> yeah. it's like your whole demeanor changes it's remarkable I right know. You're just like, ah, and then like it, it's sick it's sick. it is it it's is. like one compliment you're like ah. <laughs> i know <laughs> like, that's all I need. a roller, it's roller coaster ride yeah it's so ridiculous <laughs> i don't know i don't know what happened in childhood but you know uh, well it had apparently happened to all of us <laughs> yeah that's a big mistake <laughs> more therapy well awesome well thank you again cool. right. and thank, thank you, you so guys much. for listening thanks for listening bye, bye. have fun <laughs> <All right. laughs>